Welcome to Soul Logic, not your breathy spirituality. This is neither tie dye running through fairy fields nor corporate performance metrics, but increasing your inner authority and personal freedom, moving you from the corporate mindset to a conscious mindset. We're your hosts, Cindy and Scott, and we're here to put the practical into awakening. We've become more distracted and disconnected than ever. And in today's podcast, we're talking about the importance of being present. Let's first take a look at some real statistics. The average person is interrupted six to seven times per hour. The average recovery time with each interruption is between four and 10 minutes. 80% of interruptions could be considered trivial. Let me pause here and just ask you to ask yourself the question. Think about being at work. You have the email notifications on. You see an email come in. You click the email, open it. Most probably, if you're honest with yourself, you might be spending four minutes because that email might lead to another email, which might lead to a response. And here's something to consider. Every email is potentially somebody else's action item taking you off your path. Let me continue. The interruptions decrease the amount of time spent with family or friends from an average of 26 hours to 18 hours per month. That's a difference of eight hours. And upwards of 60% of Americans say that work has a significant impact on their stress levels. I'm sure all of us can say a yes to that. But my question for you to consider also is, have we become like Pavlov's dogs? Remember the famous behaviorist who was convinced that he could stimulate dogs to salivate by ringing a bell. They didn't just need to smell food, but if they associated the ringing of a bell with the fact that food was going to be there, they would salivate and it worked. And that is our question. And what we're going to be talking about today, how disconnected have we become from ourselves and from what it is we're doing? And how is this impacting the quality of our life? Right. And also, how do we get back to touching and getting back in touch with ourselves? I think if we take the work perspective on this and think about team retreats, I mean, what's the point of doing team retreats? It's to get to know each other better on a more personal level. It's to connect. It's to have more community and build community. And then it's to build skills and to work together more as a team. And if you think of a personal retreat, whether it's meditation or you actually go on a silent retreat or a spiritual retreat or just any kind of retreat that's meant to connect with yourself, it's very much the same thing. You're connecting with yourself. You're potentially opening up the opportunity to learn a new a new skill or a new thing about yourself that if you're distracted, if you're constantly looking at your phone or checking your email or just looking at the myriad number of information sources coming at us on a daily basis that you don't get those moments. So that retreat might seem indulgent as an individual, but really, if you think about any kind of work scenario, you know, you have an annual management retreat or an annual team retreat. It's for these same purposes. Absolutely. And it's to create that awareness of what it can feel like and what benefits can come from deepening the connection with ourselves and deepening the connection with others. And one of the things that as one who's done many retreats and facilitated retreats, one of the things that I've heard and also felt after being a participant is that once we get back into real life, 
it all seems to disappear. And that's really where the real work begins, right? We've been in this container, this environment that is with all the distractions removed. And so we're in this great place and we can experience how great it can be, that connection, that interaction with ourselves and with others and how good we feel. And we create all that awareness. And then we go back into reality and it's, it takes effort to pull it together. It takes effort for us to remain in there. And we may not do it to the same degree that we did in the space of the retreat, but we certainly can practice it and make it an ongoing part of our, our day-to-day life, which in itself is allowing us to be more present and to be more focused in that moment. And yeah, what's coming to me as you say that too, is I think when you go on a retreat, there's an energy shift, right? If we think about presence and get kind of underneath what that means, it's an energy shift. So to your point, it does go away quickly, but like you go to retreat with other people and you have this connection and you're like, oh, this is great. I feel good. And uh, why haven't I done this more often? And I haven't slowed down like this in so long. And or it's just nice to stop and think about if you're in a work retreat problems from a new perspective and have multiple brains looking at a specific issue you're trying to conquer. And then you're like, yes, we're going to do this. And then if you think, I think you're for me, at least as I'm thinking out loud is that the energy, when you get back into that crazy frenetic energy, it's hard to hold center. It's hard to hold that energy shift that you experienced in a team retreat. And I think it's the same for other, to your point, to other retreats on a more personal level too. Absolutely. And uh, the energy shift is created by the intention that we bring into it where we are setting the intention to give us ourselves this space, right? Whether it's a team retreat or whether it's an individual retreat and for it's an individual retreat, it really is a gift. If it's a team retreat, it also is a gift in many ways because it can allow us to get to know the other people so much better and deepen that work relationship so that it takes less effort to get better results. And we probably have more fun along the way, which is, which is really important. So retreats are great and I love retreats, but I think that there's also another way that we can look at this conversation here as to how we can do this every single day of our life, because that's really where we are all the time, right? I mean, a retreat is a very specific thing on the calendar, but here we are day-to-day life. Let me tell a story. I was having a coaching conversation with an executive client a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about the fact that he's just entirely overwhelmed at work. But the biggest part of it is, is he's overwhelmed by all of the communication and where the communication is coming from. So there might be SMS messages. And of course, there's email and there's an internal system. And then there's WhatsApp messages, written messages and voice messages. And so just that, the constant interruption, he said, I'm continually being interrupted and all of it is work-related while I'm working on whatever it is I'm doing at that moment. But then to try to find where it was that the message came from so that I can action it or access it and refer back to it is a challenge. I said, do you remember 10 years ago when all you had was your non-smartphone? He said, it was amazing. (laughs) All I had, all I knew was that I would get email and maybe an SMS message or a phone call. And that was it. It's like, now we have to be these managers of, it seems like multiple databases of information that is attacking us. And that's only one aspect of it. You know, the whole notification piece of it is another thing. So one of the things that I have done personally is to become ruthless in my 
in the notifications as to what I allow to be visible and what I don't allow to be visible. And one thing that I have done is turn off every sound on the phone because I don't want to be like Pavlo's dog. Really. I don't want to be reacting to that phone all the time. So I turned off all the sounds other than the ringer. Yeah. I, I I totally hear what you're saying. And I think there's, you know, lots of science showing that like our brains can only process so much information, like the messages coming at us, they're just so many and they're just increasing and your brain can only process a small fraction of those. And I think about the filtering process coming in and I was listening to a a different podcast about activity versus value. And this was in the workplace. And so how we have started to value, well, not started, we do value. It's, you know, how much activity do you get done in a day? Working eight hours a day and not necessarily providing the value that we could because we're bogged down in all these activity-based, which I would also call distracts, often distracted-based actions versus, and I think this is where like, even if you take a mental retreat in, for a few moments, to your point, like this does not have to be about a big, long retreat, just a mental retreat to say, okay, what, what do I actually want to accomplish today that's meaningful? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I've gotten an email before that sets me off. I'm like, whoa, I didn't see it coming. And I'll waste 30 minutes in my reply, thinking through the reply. And then I get to the end of it. I'm like, oh my gosh, that just took me 30 minutes. <laughs> Blows that four to 10 minutes statistic out of the water. And then I'm out of my, out of my flow, out of all that kind of stuff. And I just have wasted so much time. So I think these retreats, mini retreats, mental retreats, five minutes, five days, five hours, whatever they are, allow us to really back up and get the perspective. And then not just at work, but also look at our own life. Like what value do we want to bring to our own life? Am I just running from thing to thing, to thing, to thing? And I don't know what I did today. Or am I stopping for a moment to understand this is how I want to be today. This is how I want to interact with people today. This is how I want to interact with myself today and just get away from that activity, reacting to the information and causing needless activity. Are those dots connecting? They're connecting for me in my head, but I'm not sure they're connecting out. Well, I'm glad they're connecting for you, Cindy. <laughs> they are connecting for me. And I want to share something that has connected with me through what you've just said. So I have this model of leadership that I used in my coaching programs called harmonic leadership. And it's the PIPA method, the P-I-P-A method, which is pause, intention, presence, and action. And as I was listening to you speak, part of what stood out for me is so much of what I think happens is we, if we take it back to Pavlov's dogs, it's really that reaction, right? So it's purely mind. It's purely from the mind. Oh, I have a notification. I have to respond to it. And then, oh, 30 minutes I've just wasted on this. What happened? I had so many other important things I could have gotten done if I didn't do that. But if we pause first, taking that mini retreat and center ourselves, and it doesn't have to be more than just a few seconds even, but just to allow that that rush of energy, that rush of adrenaline, that surge to dissipate, it can give us a moment to then set an intention. For this period of time, I'm going to time block. I'm going to work on this if we're at work and I'm going to really then be present and then accomplish the action. So I think it's a much more, I call it harmonic leadership because it's a much more balanced, falls in line with soul logic, right? Where we're balancing just the the head and the heart, but we're making a very concerted effort to be present. But before we actually become present, we're pausing first and then setting the intention 
you know, kind of setting our goal for what is it I want, how do I want to spend this period of time? And then we have to hold ourselves accountable, you know, in any sort of leadership, right? We want to hold ourselves accountable. So when that email does come in, as tempting as it may be, no, no, let's not fall into the trap. So one thing I do is I turn off the email notifications. I can't stand them. Yeah, I hear you. You're making me think this has been years ago. I was at a lecture, this woman who was an architect and she wrote the small little house. And I think she wrote the small life. I can't remember the exact title of the book, but her point was she was exceptionally busy and running from meeting to meeting to meeting. Anybody relate? (laughs) And she was advised by to, to just start carving out blocks of time for herself. So she started with an hour and that was safeguarded. She didn't look at notifications. She didn't look at emails. She didn't look at anything out. She just did her the work that she wanted to focus on. She started with an hour and that felt criminal in her mind, luxurious. Like how could she possibly not respond in an hour? Like what if somebody needs me? What if, you know, people will think I'm not responsive. They'll think I'm not working all the crazy things that go through our head. If we just carve out an hour and I can relate to her. And, but what she found was that she was more productive in that hour without distraction. People worked around that hour. You know, she, she communicated out, this is what I'm doing. The world didn't end her. She didn't lose her job. The company didn't crumble. (laughs) And what she ended up doing is expanding that into a half a day that she now protects to keep, you know, keep that time for herself. And she said she is more productive, more balanced, less stressful, feels like she's providing more value to her company and then also to her own life. I love that. I love that. And and I also really appreciate hearing how it felt criminal to her, as does self-care for many of us a lot of the time. And that is a, a very great, that's a great example of a version of self-care. She's at work and she's taking care of herself to be more relaxed, to be more efficient, to be more centered, to reduce her stress so that what she does is more sustainable going forward. And I'm working with a, another executive client and we had a similar conversation about that a few weeks ago. And he came back to report that he'd been doing it. And he said, I'm now blocking three days a week, two hours in the afternoon, typically from like one to three. And so he said, what's interesting is he said, you know, people think I'm busy because it's blocked. He said, but I am very busy and I'm getting an incredible amount of things done knowing that I don't have any distractions during that time. But he's also having to hold himself accountable where he's not checking his email. He did turn off his notifications. Even if it's just for that period of time, he's setting up that environment just as we were doing a retreat. And you said there's an energy around that. So we can create that energy on these mini retreats that we choose to take but we have to be responsible and also set the intention and then create the right environment. Definitely. And we talked before the podcast about getting into flow or we talked about flow state. And I don't know that, you know, if your client or this woman I referenced is able to do that, but I sort of imagine they are, or if they aren't, there is a way you can do that. If you block this time off for yourself, again, it doesn't have to be two hours or half a day, but if you can drop back into that energy of, of retreat, of connecting with yourself, of just blocking out the distractions and going in a little bit. So if you can get into flow state, you can actually quiet your prefrontal cortex. And when you do that, your I think it's called your explicit brain, your sort of thinking logical brain quiets and allows your creativity to then expand. It gives room for that creativity to show up. You know, as far as creativity doesn't I mean you need to do artwork or come up with a 
brand new product. It can just be letting ideas flow to you to add creativity to the work you're doing or a new idea flow into whatever projects at hand. And that flow state is getting more and more traction scientifically, but just is really advantageous. Again, if you're for a work, work problems, life problems, just are just understanding more deeply what's going on. I so agree. Let's take a short break and we'll come back and talk more about that and share some other tips on how we can become more present every moment of the day. You're listening to Soul Logic, shifting you from a corporate mindset into a conscious mindset. Check out our course online at roadmaptoawakening.com, helping you bring the practical into awakening and make sense of what's happening on your journey. Welcome back. I jumped the gun and starting to uh, solve the, how did you do this? How do you tie in uh, the head and the heart into this? This flow state that you speak about, Cindy, is is exactly what I talk about in harmonic leadership is creating that inner harmony. And when we are in that state, it is so much easier to access both the intelligence of our head and the intelligence of our heart or our soul, right? Our, our entire body's intelligence, as we've talked about in, in the embodiment podcast, which when we're able to do that, and we've created the right environment for it. And again, it doesn't take a long time to do this. It's really more about the intention and then just creating that environment. Once we're able to do that, we are more relaxed. We're more calm. You know, I could look at the calendar and say, okay, this is my hour. And here's what I can do in this hour. We can have a plan, but I think what then happens is we get into that zone. And when we're in that zone, it is the entire opposite of what people would call multitasking. And it has been proven over and over how inefficient multitasking is. And it's still shocking to me how many companies and how many job descriptions will say that they want somebody that can multitask. They really don't. They want someone that can prioritize and get into that flow state on a much more frequent basis so they can get the job done with less effort, be more efficient, and get better results. That's really what they want, but they're not describing it that way. That's my take on it. What's your take? I feel like that's a whole nother podcast topic where we could talk about prioritization versus uh multitasking. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I am 100% in, in agreement with you. To your point, just to add to that, like the calm and the peace, but to just flip that on the other side, it reduces anxiety, depression, and stress. I mean, if you think about just giving yourself a moment to collect your thoughts, even if, even if it's just a moment, and then go back into what you want to accomplish and you get it done, reduces your anxiety. I think all these messages coming at us, at least for me, I mean, I have trouble with this too, but you're in your, when you're in reacting mode and you get to the end of the day and you're thinking, what did I, I didn't get none, not one thing on my to-do list got accomplished today. It's anxiety producing. And then I feel not good about myself because I didn't get anything done today. So it's kind of the spiral that you can go into. So I notice when I can have these moments, when I can pull myself back, get back into my own energy, stop reacting and being mindful of what I'm doing. I'm more productive. I may not still may not get through my entire to-do list that day, but I've at least accomplished some of those things and I'm, you know, reducing my stress versus adding to it. It also becomes a motivator to doing more of it because you've started to see yourself 
accomplish what it is you want to accomplish on your to-do list. And instead of being frenetically busy and then look back and say, what did I do today? I'm exhausted. I was busy, but I got nothing done that I really needed to get done. Taking again, any kind of retreat, a minute, whatever. It's a chance for you to regulate even your emotions as well as the activity. So you get calm, you reduce your your anxiety and your stress. It's, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I I only have an hour to get this done. Uh, And when you can just take a deep breath, even just a second to be like, okay, like I got time to do this. (laughs) You know, I'm going to push these distractions to the side and I'm going to focus. I've got this. You're able to self-regulate those emotions that sort of start to run you if you're not present. Yeah. And that's, that's part of that pause that I, I, I talk about, right? Let's pause. It's okay. You, there is power in the pause and it is a great opportunity for us to slow things down just enough to then decide what's the next action we're going to take. Yeah. I love the PIPA. Do you want to repeat that for everybody? I love your sure. acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's harmonic leadership and it's really establishing that inner harmony between the head and the heart. And it's four steps, pause, intention, presence, and action. PIPA. And it can be used anywhere, anytime in our life. It doesn't have to be just at work, right? It can be used anywhere, anywhere that we find ourselves where we need to be focused or where we're coming out of focus to self-regulate, like you said, to create that mini retreat, but being very clear as to what it is that we want to accomplish and what's the action that we want. But most of the time we rush into things. We don't have the intention. We are exhausted through whatever it is we're doing. And we walk away from it saying, God, I was really busy today, but what did I really get done? And that's demotivating and stress producing, as you said. One thing I just want to share, it's been happening to me recently, and I'm just, I'm still working with it, but I have been noticing really in the last couple of weeks that I will start to get this feeling in my chest. It's not anxiety. It's not restricting. It's not panic. It's that kind of feeling. It's actually feels more expansive and like energy is revving up in my chest to the point where my mind recognizes it. And so when that would happen to me, my mind would go, Oh, what's that? What's that message? You know, cause I'm, this is a focus for me and I would try to figure it out with my mind. So I guess if anybody else is more in touch with their body <laughs> and gets these kind of messages, what I've been doing lately in this piece of it is actually using that as a trigger moment to be present, to just, and to not try to figure it out, but just to be in the feeling and I'm just using it kind of as a, a Pippa moment, <laughs> you know, if I'm using that correctly, just to stop and say, okay, there's some energy moving in my body. This feels kind of woo-woo and out there to say a little uncomfortable, but I just want to share in case it helps people. And by not trying to figure it out, I mean, sometimes the energy is just there and I feel it for as long as it's there. And I don't have a message. I don't exactly know why it happened. Maybe it was just to make me take this moment. I don't know, but I've just stopped trying to figure it out. The result of it though, is always a more centered, calmer place of being. And then I can go back into my workday and I am more thoughtful about it. Now, you know, I might start I feel like it's like those slow motion, like a movie, like an action movie where it's all fast. And then like, Ooh, like the big motion slows down. And then like, whoop, you're back into the, into the, the regular pace of things. But I'm just trying to build that muscle myself. Just step back, would feel it. I would try to figure it out. Now I feel it. I just feel it. 
I don't know why. I don't know. I don't have a message. I just feel it. And I may get back into life at full speed. But if anybody else feels that kind of stuff where you're getting a message from your body to slow down, I would just encourage you to listen. I don't know if you ever experienced those kinds of moments, Scott, I'm not putting you on the spot. If you don't, you don't. <laughs> Maybe this is just weird me. I don't think it's weird you. I'm sure many others have experienced something like that. I Nothing comes out, comes to me right away as you were describing it. But what I do love is that you didn't fall into the trap of wanting the mind to define it, to categorize it, to identify it. You simply allowed it to be. You allowed the state, the state to be as it was, which then allowed you to feel more centered. And I think that that's the important, that's the important takeaway for me, at least, is that you didn't do what many of us probably would do is, oh my God, something's wrong with me. What's happening right now? Do I have to take a pill? Do I have to do something like what's going on with me? No, let me just be with this. Let me be present with it and see what's happening without trying to define it, categorize it, throw it into a box, label it, none of it. I think that's the best part of what I just heard. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, when we talk about soul and logic, we talked a lot about logic today. And I just wanted to bring that element of, I think Mm -hmm. that's coming from a more soulful place, a message from the body, a message from that area. And I don't, I haven't mastered it, but I wanted to share that. No, thank you for sharing it. It's a, it's a, it's a great example. And as we close out here, let's leave you with a few reminders as to how you can create your own personal retreat every single day. We have meditation is an option, and there are many wonderful meditation apps out there if you want to use an app. All you have to do is set a timer on your phone or or clock, for example, and block 10, 15 minutes out. It doesn't need to be much longer than that. Meditation is one, creating the intention to have a few minutes just for yourself is another, really being present in whatever it is you're doing. One of my teachers used to say, I don't care if you're cutting an avocado, be present. So try to do, try to do one thing at a time. I know it's radical, but try to do one thing at a time and be fully present in whatever it is you're doing and pay attention to how that feels with you, in you. Another example could be the notifications. Become more discerning about what notifications you allow and what notifications you want to silence or turn off completely both at work and on your personal device. I just want to go back a moment to the being present, like the cutting the avocado and how to do that. So as crazy and as elementary as it sounds, you can literally say to yourself in your head, you don't have to say it out loud, but I'm holding an avocado. I'm now slicing the avocado. I'm breaking the avocado open. I'm taking the seed out of the avocado. I'm cutting the flesh out of the avocado. I'm eating the avocado. I mean, it is how you can learn to be present. It's amazing what will start to happen when you do that. And especially with eating, like food becomes more flavorful. It's weird, but it happens. And that's some of the benefits of of being more present. Absolutely. And I think with food is a a great opportunity because we're going to eat multiple times a day. So you don't have to do it every single time, but pick, pick a meal and just say to yourself, it's my intention right now to be more present throughout this meal and then do it. I guess I would also offer to like sometimes just a deep breath or two can be a personal retreat. And also as I have the fortune to look out at some woods behind my house, getting out into nature can also just be a very quick and easy way or a long way (laughs) to have a personal retreat. All fantastic ways. 
We hope that we've inspired you to take a look at your life and to find those opportunities and even those moments where you can become more present and create little mini retreats for yourself. Thanks for listening.